Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the ACC's kickoff event in Charlotte, North Carolina. UVA's Bronco Mendenhall will be stopping at our table momentarily. Later this hour, Mac is back in Chapel Hill. Mac Brown, the new coach of the Tar Heels, but the old coach of the Tar Heels. Coach Brown will be with us in about 30 minutes. Bronco Mendenhall will join us shortly. I gave you that British Open update. Rory has had a horrible day. John Rahm is having a great day. Webb Simpson had a very good day, three under par. Sergio Garcia, three under par. So it is an interesting leaderboard as plenty of guys are still out there in round number one. We'll keep you up to date with that and maybe give you another update from Northern Ireland between now and the end of today's program. It's Coastal Chaos Day. It's the possibility of perfect parity. One of the things we're going to chat with Bronco Mendenhall about as he's clearly turned around that program. For those who forget, Coach Mendenhall is the former head coach at BYU. And one of the reasons that on our show and in the ACC Sports Journal and at accsports.com, we advised UVA fans not to panic when he went 2-10 and ten in his first year with the Cavaliers. I mean, that hurts. That's not just a poor season. That's a face plant, right? But that was his first year. This is the same guy who spent 11 seasons as the head coach at Brigham Young University. That's a proud football program. In those 11 years, he won 99 games and went to 11 consecutive bowls. 11 for 11. There was no face plant. I mean, he had double-digit win seasons. Five, four years in a row, he had 10 or 11 wins while with BYU. So when you do something like that at a school like that for 11 years, the guy knows what he's doing. So I didn't know it was going to be year two he would break through and get to a bowl game. I didn't know it would be year three that he'd win eight games, including a bowl game. But I knew that that was the trend upward, and it was only a matter of time. Well, sure enough, here he is entering year four, and in a division where there is no super heavyweight, is it Miami? Do you believe in Virginia Tech? Do you believe in Duke? Carolina in year one with a new coach, Mac Brown. Georgia Tech in year one with a new coach, Jeff Collins. I don't roll my eyes when people describe the Virginia Cavaliers in football as a contender to make it to the championship game of the ACC. I have not felt that way about UVA in football, to be candid, since George Welsh was roaming the sidelines. But I feel that way when it involves our next guest. He's always been fun with us on life and sports and football. Bronco Mendenhall of the Cavaliers. Welcome back. How are you? Hey, good to be back. Uh, it's great to see you. You're looking great, all decked out in your <laughs> Tony Bennett-style national wow. championship colors. There right? we go. Has the confetti stopped falling in Charlottesville yet? I actually kept a piece of confetti from that game. It's on my desk, uh, just as a reminder. So it's not with me today, but it is back home. Well, I don't. We don't see you face to face very often, but Tony has become one of the really great friends of oh, our program, cool. personally and professionally. So uh, we, we had a front row seat for his ride over mm. this last decade or so. One question that we're asking all 14 coaches before we dive into okay. more UVA-specific stuff. In the last 12 months since we saw you eye to eye, is there a book, a movie, a trip, or other life experience where the meaningfulness that you took out of it is something that you would be willing to share with our statewide audience here in North Carolina. Certainly, I'll give you one of each as I'm an wow. avid reader. Wow. And so I have a book and an experience. Why doesn't this surprise me? So uh, a book that I just finished uh, that I absolutely loved and a principle that I adhere to is a book that's called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, you can trace its origins back to uh, Marcus Aurelius and Stoic philosophy. 
but it's just simply this idea that actually adversity and opposition in all things is our friend. It helps us become aware of our weaknesses, it heightens our preparation for the future, and it builds human capacity. And so really, in essence, the harder something is, the better it is, and the more it becomes a lifestyle and a preparatory way to become a better version of yourself. So the obstacle is the way is the book, so that's my endorsement all there. Right. And then my boys and I just got back uh, from a, a backcountry trip in the Wind Rivers in Wyoming, about 60 miles um, with backpacks and uh, with some other relatives of ours and again doing hard things and doing hard things together. It's amazing the bonds that they form and so um, it's in a short amount of time if you're really looking to forge relationships just simply by taking on something difficult with other people in an intimate setting it's amazing how that can accelerate and promote um, relationships at a level that wouldn't happen if you're only in comfort and ease. And so, yeah, uh, day by day, cold, hiking, snow, lake to lake fishing, um, without any chance of cell phone or any type of uh, technical, um, what I'll call interference, it was amazing to, to connect in a manner. And so what I would encourage the listeners to do is go to some place where it's impossible to get any kind of connection um, through uh, technology and then put yourself in a setting with people you love and doing something challenging and see what happens in terms of the bonds they form. Bronco Mendenhall is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Coach, I've been at this for 32 years, and I am being genuine and sincere <laughs> when I say this. Your answers are some of the best that I've gotten in 32 <laughs> years. I, I have to know this, and I hope you do laugh with me one more time. <laughs> do you do dumb stuff? Like, do you like stripes and Animal House and Caddyshack? Like, you might have the highest IQ in the history of college football coaches. Do, do you do dumb stuff? So, so it's one of my wife's pet peeves is that <laughs> I, I don't think she thinks that I, I watch dumb stuff and laugh simply enough. Like, it takes, like, some kind of depth, you know, to trigger any kind of response. And so... I do dumb stuff, uh, <laughs> I, um, but not intentionally. <laughs> do, do you like, for example, any Adam Sandler movies, which would be a very primitive sort of caveman approach to comedy, right? You know, I, I really don't. Um, not, not surprising. <laughs> but but I do like uh, the Far Side comics. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that that's uh, I don't even know if that fits in the same category, but that's that's. I see I, where you're going. That's kind of Broncos <laughs> walk on the wild side. I, I don't know. Right yeah. with, the, with the Far Side, I, I appreciate you uh, having some fun along those lines. You just strike me differently than most of the football coaches that I have ever interviewed. Uh, before we get to your team specifically, one of the 2019 wrinkles here at ACC kickoff is the ACC network. Yeah. So the August 22nd launch, you are not a university president or an athletic director, but money matters trickled down yeah. to you at some point. From the job description of a football coach, how does the arrival, it's no longer an idea, right? The arrival next month or even the long-term promise of this network impact you as a head coach? I, I'm glad you asked. Um, so just to give you a, a philosophical basis, which won't surprise you, I love amateur sport. I love the value of education. I love learning for the sake of learning, and I don't think there's a value you can place on that. I'm against any kind of additional monies. Um, I think education itself is is priceless. And so the chance to to get an education and then learn life lessons through football to me is the ideal for college football. Having said that, now let's get to reality. Right. Reality is, is college football is an entertainment uh, product. Each university is a brand. Money does matter. 
Uh, yeah. And that is the world that we're in. The ACC network, what that does is allows us exposure, builds a brand, increases finances and revenues, which generates the business model which college athletics operates in. And so that allows us to be a more prolific player in the Power Five athletic world uh, than we could have been without the network. I wrote an article recently for theathletic.com and my website, accsports.com, where I talked about money and, and the check per school going to the Big Ten in the most recently available tax year was $54 million. The check for ACC schools was on average about $29 million. I've been at this for 32 years. The ACC was first most of the years I've covered it. In some years, it's fallen to fifth. With that backdrop, the ACC is still winning exactly. in a lot of stuff. Have you felt a financial gap, or, or, or do you feel competitively you're on a mostly level playing field, and with the ACC network maybe shortening the financial gap, you feel good about the direction of all this what, stuff? What I feel good about is that we have a national champion, and we have a conference that has that is strong in terms of depth from top to bottom. I see a conference that and universities that have added coaches and emphasis, at least in football, to make sure football is strong. And I would say arguably it's been one or two the past couple of years yeah. in the world of Power Five. What is noticeable to me though, as a newcomer, relative newcomer to the ACC, is the stadiums aren't full, and I'm talking pr collectively, and the facilities in general are not the jaw-dropping facilities that you see around the country in terms of money that has been spent on those facilities. And I would say that there's a stronger adherence to this idea of academics really do matter in the ACC. That doesn't mean that could be exclusive of the facilities, but I do see a difference in the Power Five schools of our attendance and our facilities, but I don't see a difference in our quality of play, meaning that I think that's very strong and becoming stronger. Bronco Mendenhall is joining us on the David Glenn Show. The UVA head coach has been here a little while. He's entering year four with the Cavaliers. Would you list or describe to your players goals differently right now? From the outside, it looks like you guys could play for the ACC title in Charlotte. From the outside, it didn't feel that way in your first year yeah. when you went 2-10. and ten. What do you, How do you handle that as a coach? Were you telling the guys in the 2-10 and ten year we can win every game? I mean, or, or do you adjust these things because, you know, they can see some of the things that you see in terms of the reality. Hey, credibility is built with truth. Um, it does no good to, to share and and present false dreams and false realities for our players. Year one, all we were trying to do is is literally build a culture of excellence before we even considered playing football. Year one had very little to do with even playing the game as was reflected in our record. We were working on class attendance. We were working on posture and meetings. We were working on what practice really looked like. We were looking at what does uh, injury prevention and treatment really, I mean, there were so many, so many few things that I was just in simple discovery mode. And it took an entire year to find out not only about our program, our institution, but our league. And that's not an indictment about anything other than that's how long it took me. Year two was really what I hoped year one would look like, where we could get back to postseason. But then we got annihilated by Navy, which was absolutely necessary to uncover the next part of the program that had to be built. But we did know in year two we had to make it back to postseason, so that was the goal. Yeah. Year three was to get to postseason and win, um, which so we did. And yeah. we were two, two overtime losses away from winning 10. But let's face it, we weren't qualified, nor did we play well enough to win 10. And quite frankly, it would have been a disservice if we did because we weren't ready to. Yeah. 
year three now starts to look a little different, meaning what I call unbroken growth. This team has to do things that each of the previous three haven't done, meaning that their job, if we win eight, they, as part of those eight, they have to beat teams we haven't beaten yet. That's claiming new ground, right? That's growing yep. in a new manner. Yep. Uh, it's not it's not um, out of the realm of thought that we could have played for the ACC championship a year ago. Again, a couple overtime yep. losses. So the reality is, is we certainly could do that this year. We have to play better in the critical games, at the critical times, at the critical moments. But we have to do things that haven't been done yet in the first three years. And that's simply all I'm framing to our team. We have to claim new ground. You're kind of freaking me out here, Coach, because even though you went 2-10 and ten in year one, in a sense... You, you accomplished a lot of the goals that you described, totally. right? So then year two, it was let's get to the postseason. Yep. You accomplished it. Year three, let's get there and win. You yep. accomplished it. Yep. Um, how do you describe the challenge of those next steps that you yep. just described? Because I, I've, I'm not a football coach, but I can look at this league and know that nobody has a better chance than you. Others have a yeah. similar chance to get to Charlotte, but you're right there. So, so I, I think it's a fair assessment. Our team knows it and I know it, meaning that we have a returning quarterback, we have a strong defense with up to eight starters coming back, and we have confidence. And so if you look at the coastal side and say who has a better chance, it would be hard to say anyone has a better chance. Yeah. And so once we acknowledge that, okay, then what do we do about it? And that comes down to how you prepare and how you play. The expectation is that we do play well, we do win, and that now is what is expected. It's not a surprise. So the way that the brand, the UVA football brand, continues to be built is with time and consistency. So all of a sudden, if we go 8-5 and five again and we win a bowl game, at some point people will say, oh, no wonder, it's UVA football, rather than, what, UV yeah. UVA again? Yeah. And so we're in that transitional point. There's plenty of people right now that are like, holy cow, they beat South Carolina. What? Okay, now what's going to happen this year? Yeah. They're they're not right. quite certain, but our team is. And so we have to play our way into credibility. And, yeah, if a, ch if a coastal championship happens in addition to what uh, has already happened, that is new growth, um, and that's part of what I expect. Um, if, for instance, it's not a coastal championship, but we beat Virginia Tech or we beat Pitt or we do something that we haven't done, that's still growth. But what's not okay with me is that we go backwards or we, we uh, lose ground. And so this team has to claim new ground, which the more wins you have each year, the harder that gets. I'm starting to wonder if I should just be wearing UVA colors because you all know one of my favorite college basketball coaches is Tony Bennett. Mine too. Uh, one of my favorite college football coaches has become, I mean, I'm, I'm almost, if I were not so old, I would ask <laughs> to be adopted into the Mendenhall household. <laughs> I feel like I learned from coaches, an older dude. And one of my favorite former ACC athletes happens to be former UVA football player, Chris Long. Oh, yeah. Now, so I, I just, uh, an open-ended question. Of course, you were not the head coach at the time he was yeah. wearing the Cavaliers uniform. To what degree have you been able to connect? Yeah. And, I mean, I, as I imagine a Bronco Mendenhall, I would love UVA football to look like this snapshot. Yeah. It's almost a picture of Chris Long it, on and off it, the field. It, it, is, it is exactly Chris Long. And Marcus Hagens um, was best friends with Chris Long's. In fact, uh, Marcus Lake. Marcus Hagens, who's our receivers coach, has named his oldest son Christopher after Chris Long because they were such close friends, which wow. allowed Chris to have, the minute we arrived, Chris was around our program and who he is, what he represents, how he played, if you're saying, what would I like our program to look like? Yeah. That, that is it. And so um, 
I believe when you meet uh, Bryce Perkins, when you meet Bryce Hall, when you meet Joe Reed, you'll start to see similarities of, wait, they're, they're like Chris Long. Um, I would like us to be exemplary on and off the field. Uh, one without the other is not enough for me um, to coach, period. And so if we win but don't do it in a manner that is uh, reflective of the right goals, morals, and values, then yeah, that's just football, and that's just the game. But to me, it takes more than that, and Chris Long represents more than that. I'm concerned. My favorite founding father is Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> like, these these things are starting to get carried there might, away. You might be accused of bias at some it, point it if would, it keeps it, going right, this way. I guess after 32 years of objectivity, <laughs> I can go in whatever direction <laughs> I want to go. Uh, it would probably upset Mrs. Mendenhall and your three boys to have a fourth son who's around 50 years old, right? Well, like, the adoption thing is not going to work. There might have to be a separate building. <laughs> uh, you might be on the property, but it's probably not in. in it's, just, it's probably like in a, a, I don't know. Is there indoor plumbing in that <laughs> little little house well, yeah, out there, by there, the back? We, we could make sure that happens. <laughs> Bronco Mendenhall, as <laughs> always, thanks for uh, letting us chase you in so many weird directions. <laughs> Appreciate the visit. My pleasure. Thanks. Bronco Mendenhall of UVA. They're a contender. The Cavs are a contender. So are the Hokies. So are the Ca uh, Cavs. So are the Hurricanes. We'll see how it shakes out for Duke and Carolina. David Cutcliffe drops by a little bit earlier. Mac Brown drops by a little bit later. In fact, the Mac is back theme will unfold a little bit more than 10 minutes from now. He is the new head coach of the Tar Heels, of course, but this is round two. And when you narrow the conversation to the state of North Carolina, I do not believe it is an exaggeration to say what Mac Brown built in Chapel Hill in the 1990s, and I covered those teams, was one of the greatest stretches of FBS football in the history of our state. Now, for those who are going to overreact to that, keep this in mind. We don't have any FBS national championships in this state. We have App State as the three-time FCS football champion, but now they're in the FBS. So in a state where there are no FBS titles, even as we admire, heck, Miami has five, right? Florida State had two national titles in football under Bobby Bowden. They got another one under Jimbo Fisher. Now Clemson's a two-time national champion, and there are other great stories from elsewhere in ACC football. The reality in our state, the four ACC teams and otherwise, is that we have no such stories to tell in the sport of football. We have them in a lot of other sports. They're everywhere in men's basketball, starting with Carolina and Duke, of course. Mac Brown led the North Carolina Tar Heels in the 1990s to five top 25 finishes in his last six years with the Heels before he took the Texas job in 1998. That's a pretty impressive run. How many times have we had top 10 seasons in the state of North Carolina from our FBS teams? I mean, you finished the season in the national top 10 of the polls. Mac Brown did it back-to-back -back with the Tar Heels in 1996 and 1997. Now, how much magic is left in that wand for a guy who is now 67 years old? He'll be 68 years old in August. We don't know the answer to that question, but we know he won a national championship at Texas and that was, what, 14 years ago. We know that he still has a name that's recognizable from his time in coaching and his time in broadcasting. And we know that he led the Tar Heels in the 90s to one of the most consistently successful stretches of FBS-level football that our state has ever seen. And if it was only that stuff in the rearview mirror, that would be one thing. But he's recruiting well. I have no idea how good the Tar Heels will or not be this year. That's harder to predict. 
But as the arrow pointed back in the right direction for the Heels recruiting-wise, there's absolutely, positively no doubt that yes is the answer to that question. Mac Brown live in about 10 minutes. Let's throw it back to the studio in Raleigh, and then we'll be back here live at the ACC kickoff event. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks who work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Recruiting is the heartbeat of any college football program, right? As we come at you live from Charlotte, day two of the ACC kickoff event, Mac Brown of UNC is going to sit down with us shortly. I believe he will be our final in this parade of coaches dropping by over these last two days as we're coming at you live from the Queen City today, back in the Raleigh studios tomorrow. Recruiting, of course, is essential. Being able to say, I once built a national championship team, is an unbelievable accomplishment and everybody would remember well yeah you know Nick Saban can say that at Alabama and everybody would rem remember yeah well Dabo Sweeney can say that at Clemson he now has not only one title he has two national championships to brag about as the head coach of the Clemson Tigers the list extends only so many other directions right I mean Les Miles is back in coaching and he can say I did such a thing you want me to you want me to break now and then we'll have Mac Brown live in 60 seconds on the David Glenn show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to the David Glenn show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is kind of a new guy, but not exactly. I was actually at his introductory press conference about a thousand years ago. No, I'm just kidding. It was the late 1980s. Mac Brown is back. Mac is back in Chapel Hill. Coach, it is great to see you again face to face. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I didn't even have a David Glenn Show in 1987. How you doing? I'm doing great, David. We were both much younger then. Yeah. Thank I, goodness. I think our hair color has been altered <laughs> just a little bit, and there's photographic evidence to prove that. Uh, what's your vibe as you're back wearing colors that are very familiar to you, but uh, the world has changed a lot since you built that amazingly consistent, consistently successful program well into the 1990s before going to Texas. Yep. It has changed a lot, but it, the more things change, really and truly nothing's changed. Chapel Hill's Chapel Hill. In Austin, you have to leave an hour early to get somewhere, and now, Sally and I have been about 45 minutes early everywhere we go because it takes <laughs> five minutes to get, or, or she'll say, we can't go there and eat, it's too far. I said, it's two miles. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not that way, and so many people are still at the university when I was there, uh, or, or they were students, and now they have prominent jobs in the university. So many of the high school coaches or their children or their assistants are in the high schools, so it's really been a fun eight months coming back. We, we've just, uh, Sally and I have had a blast. And you, you, when you take the job, Bubba calls you one day and you take it and you're there the next day, you go back and question yourself, what, what'd you do? You lost your mind. Uh, we're having fun. 
So it's, it's all working. One of the themes here on Coastal Division Day, Coastal Chaos, as I'm sure you know, six different winners of this division in the last six years. One of the themes is the unpredictability of it all. So whatever happens for you this fall, it does feel like in the broader sense, you've already changed the brand of UNC football. You're not allowed to talk about specific recruits, I know, but in the general sense, that arrow is pointed back in the right direction. How does it sound when you're visiting homes? Hey, I'm a national championship football coach when it was 14 years ago, but there's only a handful of others, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, that have that on their resume too. Yeah, uh, David, it, it's been um, uh, it's been overwhelming um, with the way the people in the state have reached out. Uh, you got to be the cool place to be in recruiting, but the the families have all been unbelievable, uh, high school coaches, students, it, it's been fun. Uh, one of the things I think that's really affected that is five of our ex-players are on our staff. And it's pretty cool when Dre Black can walk into the, the house and say, man recruited me uh, 20 years ago, uh, I'm in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> I made a bunch of money in the NFL, uh, so he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. And, and uh, that's been really powerful. Tommy Thigpen and Rick Steinbacher and Corey Holiday and Dre Bly and, and uh, Dwight Hoyer, uh, those guys have lived it with me. So they can talk about those years. They can talk about 22 uh, NFL draft choices on that last defense. And uh, so I really don't have to say that much about it. Some of those recruiting against you would say, hey, Mac's been out of college coaching for five years, but I know you and your assistants say, Mac was not out of college football for five years. So how do you learn from a different chair where you're not coaching games, but I imagine you have more downtime to absorb whatever, video or different coaches' ways of doing things with you as a broadcaster, of course. One of the best things is I had a sabbatical. Most coaches can't, they get tired and you get beaten down because there's no breaks. There's no days off anymore with recruiting the way it is. So after 30 straight years as a head coach, I needed a break. And I didn't know if I'd coach again or not. I asked Coach Vermeil about it, and he said, don't ever say you won't coach because you don't know. If something comes up that you like, you will. If not, you won't. So don't, don't get there. Don't, don't go into that. And every year we kept looking at something. So I must have been interested enough when people would call, I'd talk to them, and nothing fit. But what I was doing, and I, I wasn't consciously doing it, I was interviewing coaches all over the country. I was looking at schemes all over the country. I was calling games on Friday night. I was going to spring practices in, in the spring. I was seeing 24 teams play uh, 24 games every Saturday. So subconsciously, I was preparing to do this again without thinking that I, I might or, or might not. It wasn't it. I was just doing it. But uh, Jay Bateman, our defensive coordinator, I go to Army and spend three days with their staff. And I'm clinicking their staff, and I'm watching them coach. And I said, God, this guy's yeah. good. He's, he's really good. So um, I, I think more than anything else, I'm a much better coach right now than I've ever been in my life because of the last five years. And, um, and that's been refreshing to me. Among the coaches here, you might have the best combination of expertise as both the coach and a broadcaster. And with that in mind, you know the ACC Network is one of the talking points this year. How do you put into perspective you're not an AD or a university president, so maybe you're not watching the, the millions of dollars that are going to be new revenue stream.
but but how does it practically unfold for you as a football coach that this is not just an idea this channel we've been talking about it for four years now it's a reality how does that trickle into your world david it's it's really important in in my world and our world as college football coaches in the acc uh, I was involved in starting the Longhorn Network, so I've done this, yeah. and I've watched it, and it was for us, and 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 now we got to get all of our fans to to want it and want to buy it, and we got to sell it. But uh, it just gives the the players in this league so much more exposure than a lot of the other leagues get. The SEC Network's been huge for them. It's it's been a bonanza. It's been a, a huge hit. But we're talking about 33 million people starting out watching it, maybe 55 million over a two or three year period. Uh, and, and those are interviews for all your players. So every time, football players aren't seen. They got helmets on. So people don't get to know them. The only way you get to know them is when you, you see a story about them or, or they're interviewing. And like Miles Dorn's here today, he's doing an Instagram thing for us where he's doing some live stuff and it's all him. And, and he's doing it, and that's going to be great exposure for him. But that's what this network will bring to the ACC. We've had a lot of veteran coaches here over these last two days. And some of them, even if they're successful now, Bronco Mendenhall was just in your chair. He, went, he won two games his first year at UVA. And now he has a chance, he thinks, to make a run at a divisional title. Willie Taggart went 5-7 and seven last year. Year one is often really hard. How do you talk to your players or maybe even your fans about what are reasonable expectations when on the one hand there might not be a heavyweight in your division, but nobody would expect you to be playing, you know, Clemson level football, you know, in year one, part two under Mac Brown? Yeah, nobody thinks we're better than anybody, number one, and that's because of the last two years, and that's fair. We won two games and we won three games. So... When we first got here, we did not have a very good transition. You were here. I mean, yeah. it was bad. Yeah. And I don't think I handled it very well looking back. When we went to Texas, I learned some things because they were 4-7 and seven the year before, and we won nine games. We were 9-3, and three, and the difference was I walked in and told the guys to only, to, to be fair to these seniors, we got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. We've been very upbeat. We've been very positive. Um, I, I think the our, our side is wide open. Clemson's obviously the best team in the country, and they're not doing anything in recruiting to hurt that. Uh, they're killing it in recruiting. But in uh, the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? We're the only one who hadn't won it, so it's time for us to do that here. One last thing as we send you to your next uh, stop on the car wash, as we call it. You and I have observed the UNC football phenomenon for over three decades at this point. And I, I thought it was fascinating. I don't want to misquote you, so correct me if I get anything wrong here. But there's a chicken and egg thing with winning and attendance, right? And I think I've seen you live this, but you're trying to say to your fans, if you want to win, you've got to be first with attendance, right? It's like, don't wait for you to win. You got to be a part of this building process. You know, as other coaches are asking fans, hey, call your carrier, demand the ACC network, you have another request. I need them in the seats. Right? I do, David. It, it, the, the fan support has not been very good. The game day experience hasn't been very good. Bubba Cunningham and our administration is really working on the game day experience to make it more fun, make it better. And you went there. We don't have a lot of space for yep. tailgating. We don't, we don't have space for parking. We got trees. <laughs> I mean, we, got, we got them all over the place. But uh, I had a sports psychologist come in when we were at Tulane, and I said, tell me what you got to do to win. 
And he says, well, you're only going to be as committed as your administration and as your fan base. So Bubba's stepping up. He's really helping us. He, he's helped us with facilities. He's, he's helped us with game day experience. So we need the fans who are really stepping up. They're buying tickets. They're better. We've sold a bunch more season tickets. Uh, but we need them to show up. They need to be there. I, I hear sometimes, well, I don't want to sit out there because it's hot. Well, it's hot for those players in those uniforms, too. So uh, I, I need the North Carolina fans to help this team know how important it is for them. Thanks to you and Roy Williams and everybody else over there for always answering our phone calls when you join us as a phone guest. It's great to see you in person again after all these years. Thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. In a six-year period in, Mar in MAC Part 1, they were top 25 teams five of the last six years. And that was an, actually a, an eight-year run of consistent success back in the 1990s. As he mentioned, they were slow out of the gate the first time. They went 1-10 and 1-10 and his first two years at Carolina in his first tenure. Now, they don't have that low a talent base, but and they are in a manageable division, but they don't have an elite level of talent either. So it is going to be, I think a bowl should be the goal for somebody like Carolina this year. Heck, without Daniel Jones at Duke, a bowl maybe should be the goal for the Duke Blue Devils. Just continue that streak of success of consistently making the postseason under David Cutcliffe. I don't think marketing teams, although it rhymes, you know, the goal should be the goal. I, I don't think any marketing teams at any of these universities are willing to embrace that. But we're in the business of objectivity. We're in the business of calling things as we see them. And whereas nobody ever internally wants to say out loud in public, yeah, a bowl would be a heck of an accomplishment. I think the bowl should be the goal at Carolina, and I think the bowl should be the goal at Duke. I think a bowl should be the goal at Georgia Tech with their first-year head coach, Jeff Collins. The picture is different at some other places in this division. Miami has a chance because of its talent under Manny Diaz in year one as the head coach. Of course, he's the former defensive coordinator. UVA has a chance. Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech has a chance. Appreciate Coach Mendenhall and Coach Fuente for dropping by. I think it's Hokies, Hurricanes, and Cavaliers. They should be viewed as the favorites because of a combination of continuity and talent level. There's some building to be done at Carolina before they can be in those sorts of conversations again. But again, for those who think I exaggerate Mac Brown Part 1, find me in a six-year period for all of our programs in the state of North Carolina. Again, I'm aware of App State's track record in the FCS. I'm well aware of it. We celebrate it. Three straight national championships. I get it. In football, at the FBS level, show me a better six-year run than what Mac Brown did from 1992 to 1997 before leaving to take the Texas job. Show me back-to-back -back top ten seasons in the final polls. Mac did it. He was 10-2 in 1996. His 97 team was 11-1 and, and finished number four in the final polls. Our state's FBF team, FBS teams do not do that very often, and I mean in the history of college football in our state. Can he do it again? Well, that's the million-dollar question. That's the mega-million-dollar question. But he's out there on the recruiting trail turning heads. And it doesn't hurt. Did y'all see that ring he had on? I think that was a Carolina ring, wasn't it? It wasn't his Texas 2005 National Championship ring. That would clash with the Carolina blue that he was wearing with his nice suit.
but it is nice to be able to say in recruiting or otherwise, hey, all these other coaches talking about getting to the top of the mountain, I know what the view is like from the top of the mountain. I took Texas there. Jimbo can, uh, Jimbo can say it at Texas A&M because he did it at Florida State. Nick Saban, of course, can say it at Alabama because he cranks them out like Christmas cookies. Dabo can say it at Clemson because he has two in the last three years. You know, and, and that's recruiting from an incredible position of strength. Alabama and Clemson recruit from a position of strength unlike any other in the country. There are others that at least have the national title on their resume. No, Carolina can't recruit right now like Alabama or Clemson. That's not the point. But compared to the other 12 coaches in this league, Mac Brown can say something that only you know Dabo and he can say in this league and only a few others in the country right now. Urban Meyer's out of football, remember. So it's a short list of those who can say, I've been to the top of the mountain. I know the view from there. Mac Brown can say that. In year one, the bowl should be the goal. After that, we'll see how far they can take him. It certainly was one heck of a ride as I covered his first tenure from the doldrums of back-to-back -back one and tens to the back-to-back -back 10 win or more seasons and back-to-back -to -back top 10 finishes of 1996 and 1997. 1-800-849-2761 is a number you should remember more for free for all Friday purposes. Tomorrow, we will be back in our Raleigh studios then. On the others, let's throw it back to Nathan Bernstein, who's been a done, doing a great job of pushing the right buttons and getting us in and out of breaks at the Raleigh studios. The interns on hand up there, we th we're thankful for as well. Intern Sam and intern Tommy, for the record, are even greater rock stars than we thought going in. Darren, wouldn't you say so? Their performance here in Charlotte? Yeah. No, I mean, we brought them for a reason, right? We knew they could provide value. At this stage of life, frankly, <laughs> what they do for I me. I love when you start sentences that way, by the way. What they do for me from 12 to 3 <laughs> during the live portion of this award-winning program is meaningful and appreciated. <laughs> what they do beyond those three hours is even more fun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I think I need more Tommies and Sams in my life. Probably. Right yeah? yeah? They're okay as interns, I mean, but... <laughs> They're even more fun to have a beer with late night. As long as they're both of legal age, I can say that out loud. 1-800-849-2761. Program it in because Free For All Friday is going to take us in a lot of different directions. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. And yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. It has been a little bit of a walk on the wild side here at the ACC kickoff event these last two days. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to all these coaches and their assistants for making this magic happen. I don't know, I don't believe, Darren, after 32 years of this craziness, that there are many media members who have all 14 head coaches brought to them. So, right? I mean, I know you were involved in a lot of that, but uh, we have a lot of thanks to a lot of schools and a lot of coaches. No doubt. Because it is not in the regular schedule that every r radio show on Radio Row gets all 14 coaches. No, in fact, I, we, we probably sure were the only, were the one, only one. So thanks to all of them. I, they know that we created the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com 25 years ago. Uh, you can tell with some of the rapport and camaraderie that we have, not with every coach, but I'd say the majority of them, 
uh, after all these years together. Appreci really appreciate them as, as well as the listeners who have made these sorts of trips possible over the years. Nathan did a great job back at the studio and the assembled interns. Tommy and Sam were front and center in a lot of the things that we've been able to do over these last two to three days, so we're thankful for them as well. Darren, great work by you. A reminder for everybody, we know you're busy. You probably weren't with us for the entire six hours over these last two days. Every ACC-related thing that we do ends up at accsports.com. So almost all f of these 14 coaches we've already talked to Look for all of those interviews gradually as they're posted at accsports.com. And remember, we do post every hour of every show on Twitter, podcast style, at David Glenn Show. Follow us there if you're interested in tackling such things, if you can't always be with us during the live portion of the program. Some final thoughts from my perspective as we look forward to Free For All Friday tomorrow. Again, that'll be live from our Raleigh studios. The new guys in three out of four cases should not be expected to work miracles. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, Scott Satterfield at Louisville, and Mac Brown of North Carolina will need some time. Getting to a bowl in year one would be an accomplishment. Anything greater than that, I think, would be amazing. So be reasonable, best you can as fanatics. Be reasonable about three of the four new guys, some of them not exactly new, of course. Manny Diaz at Miami is the exception. The Coastal, of course, is more wide open. He knows that roster like the back of his hand. He recruited those guys. He was the defensive coordinator. Yes, he's a new head coach and a first-time head coach, but the dynamic is much different for him because he knows the culture. Heck, he was raised in South Florida. It's in his veins, essentially, as is now UM football. He was brilliant as a defensive coordinator. We'll see how he turns out as a head coach, but the door is wide open for his debut as the Miami head coach to be a really good one. Like the goal should be getting to Charlotte here for the ACC championship game in all likelihood against the Clemson Tigers as Dabo and the boys seek their fifth straight ACC title. But you never know. Miami certainly has that door cracked in the Coastal Division. Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech has to reclaim the respect of some of his own fan base. They're used to success there because of Frank Beamer. Even he, Coach Fuente, took them to the ACC title game his first year. Well, when you slide from 10 wins to 8 wins to barely making a bowl, Pokes are going to have questions. That looks like a downward trend as others are on the upward trend. He has a chance to get to the ACC title game. And Bronco Mendenhall, one of my favorite guests over these last two days, he has the Cavaliers in position for me to utter a sentence I have not uttered since George Welsh was on the sidelines for UVA. The Cavaliers have a chance at a championship. Now, I mean a division championship. That didn't exist back when Coach Welsh was around. But UVA fans, Virginia Tech fans, and Miami fans, I think this is your division to claim. I do think it's wide open, and somebody like Pat Narduzzi of Pitt is saying, why not us? We were there last year. It is that wide open. It is coastal chaos. It is a league led by Dabo Sweeney until anybody else suggests or proves otherwise. Hot seat is a question we got a lot this week as we appeared on other people's shows. To me, only Florida State's Willie Taggart is on there, and that comes with an asterisk because to fire him two years into a six-year, $30 million contract would be expensive. The buyout is $17 million. Now, you all know part of this equation. If Willie Taggart has a good second year and you go from five and seven to whatever, at least a bowl, of course. You've you got to do that. 
but maybe even a really good season. Well, then that conversation hot seat is off the table. If he face, face plants for a second year in a row, $17 million is not an insurmountable number. Remember, Louisville pulled the trigger on big money to fire Bobby Petrino. Carolina pulled the trigger on big money to send Larry Fedora packing. That's it for us here in Charlotte. Your TV picks tonight including include Rays, Yankees, and other baseball, some CFL, some MLS soccer. That's it for us at ACC kickoff. Thanks to the guys back in Raleigh and the guys with me in Charlotte. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.